Alrighty, the next A Zoo for Canines recording by Jersey Devious. Chapter 3, The White Horse. Notes. Chugging smoothly along, my dudes. Here's an update, my dudes. At 7.45, Dick pulled over on the side of the road to check his cell phone and was, surpri- and was surprised to find he had service. This was high up in the mountain. This, this high up in the mountain, this deep in the forest, he thought it impossible. He'd been driving for hours and his vision was swimming, and his hands ached from gripping the wheel with a bloodless grip, and they ached from punching Jason's stunned face, and more minorly the dried blood down his face had started getting itchy. He sat on the side of the road for a couple minutes, attempting to relax his breathing. It failed miserably. His breath skittered like a stone across water. So he did the thing that Batman did when he was alone. He called his Robin. Hey, kiddo, Dick said. How are you? How's life? I miss you already. Brown is accompanying me in my studies tonight, Damien said. Life is the way it is. Dick grinned. It must have looked awful. It must have looked hideous because that's how it felt to hold. Tell her I said, hey. How are you? How is father? Damien demanded. I want to know more of his situation immediately, Grayson. Illness is no... No can do, Damien. Not now. Too sensitive. Bruce, you know how he is. He'd have a fit. He's private like that. Unacceptable. I refuse to be left out of the loop like so. Perhaps I should. Dick choked on the sudden irritation, barreling up his throat. Stay put. Stay exactly where you are. Gotham needs Robin right now because Batman's not around. You know how it goes. You know the rules. Damien said, he knew the rules well, and Dick, and Dick knew that, so he didn't press further. He got the sense Damien wanted him to, to prove himself. How's Titus? Dick asked, scrambling for another subject. I caught Pennyworth sneaking him carrots at dinner, Damien said. I approve of this change. Dick chuckled. I told you he secretly likes that dog. Titus does all the mopping for him. That dog will eat anything. That cow? She appreciates it when I nap in the stall beside hers at night. I have taken to do doing so recently. Make sure you get a good rest, real rest, though, Dick said. All right? And how are you, actually? Dick didn't expect a direct answer, not with Steph in the room, but he needed Damien to he, but he needed Damien to think that he was thinking of him, that he wondered about how Damien was doing. It was an important thing to reinforce. Fine, Damien said tersely. I miss you as well, he added in a whisper. I won't tell anyone, Dick said through a grin. Go get everyone. I want to talk to them. Pass the the phone to Steph while you're at it. There were muffled static key noises as the phone was passed off, and then Steph chirped. Coolest Batgirl speaking. Hey, Steph. I'm actually impersonating Cass today. She's the actual coolest Batgirl. Her costume is way scarier than mine, and that gives her so many cool points. What's up? There was a note of nervous tension in the question. Steph had probably not expected to be handed the phone. Me. Keep keep his mind off the fact that we're gone, Dick said. That's an order. I don't want him coming after us under any circumstances. I don't care if he's five minutes from our door. Our door, you come and get him. Bossy, Steph said with a stronger emphasis on the last... Bossy, Steph said with a stronger emphasis on the last syllable. Bruce must really be sick, huh? Steph, Dick said warningly. 
got it covered. I'm letting him teach me about Archosaurus. He loves that nerd shit. But now I'm curious. What exactly is this sacred illness that possibly has to do something with how the wine cellar was bombed? Dick stiffened. Steph read into the silence. Come on, I'm not an idiot. Bruce trained me too, even if it was for a whole five seconds, kind of. I hear things. One minute, Jason's around, the next, he's not, then the next, boom, the house is kind of on fire for a bit. It's fun and vivid life we lead, where the sentence I can say that with minimal worry. I can't tell you anything, Dick said. Fine, you won't talk to me. I didn't expect you to. But can you at least talk to Cass? Steph asked. I've had to stop her from coming after you, uh, three times now. It's only been two days, and I nearly got punched the net last time. And she punches like a damn freight train. I should know. Bruce can't just leave her like that. It's unfair. And she was already worried about him to begin with. What am I? Chopped liver? Dick said sourly. I mean, you can handle yourself. Dick jerked back. What? And Batman can't? He can, but he's soft and gooey on the inside like a good grilled cheese sandwich, you know? Mmm, that sounds good, actually. I don't want to eat Bruce, just his food look-alike. You're soft, but you kind of spread your soft around, so when you get hit there, it doesn't suck as much. You're like a slightly burnt marshmallow. Slightly burnt marshmallow, Dick repeated. What, you disagree? Steph asked. Dick rubbed under his eyes with his thumb and forefinger. I think, he said, that I'm just a fucking asshole sometimes, no soft about it. You can be, yeah, Steph said. That's a resounding vote of confidence. You can be an asshole. Bruce can be a major asshole. Cass can be an asshole. Damien's always an asshole. Tim's a stealth asshole, Steph said. The only perfect people are me and Alfred. You say that now, but wait until Alfred cusses you the fuck out. It happened to me yesterday. My hand to God, I will never cross that man again. Steph laughed. If you think Alfred's mean, try dealing with a shitty cuss. At least Alfred's too stoic and British to bite. Seriously, talk to her. She's driving herself crazy. And I can't promise that even if you do talk to her, she won't show up because she's like a human bazooka. Dick swallowed. If she's doing that bad, let her take a car and come up. Fuck. I didn't even think about her when we left. I know that sounds shitty. It does. You're an asshole. Thanks, Dick said dryly. I have some advice, Steph said, slowly. And the hunky-dory, funky-groovy thing about advice is that no one ever wants to hear it, and everyone wants to give it. Advice is the advisor's gift, or whatever the heck the dead guy said. I mean, he's probably dead. They're usually dead. But if you want it, I'll give it. Dick stared out of the windshield at the dark trees straining towards the inkpot sky, stared out at the gray leaves fluttering in the low breeze, the patch of grass illuminated in his headlights and the bugs fluttering through the slanting beams. Dick swallowed again. I'll take whatever you got, oh wise one. Maybe I need some advice right now. Thank you. I am a wise old lady. So we're going to pretend that I bought your bullshit earlier about Bruce having, what was it again? Mono and cut to the chase. I thought I did a good job, Dick said, slightly indignant. I was pressed for time, okay? You did, Steph said, until I listened in on Alfred shouting at you. Don't worry, I haven't told Cass. She should hear it from him. Uh, whatever you, whatever you want to tell Damien, I'll let you handle that. I can't imagine that it'll go over well. Oh, great, you heard that? 
Word for word, it was incredible. A smackdown like no other. What if he... What was it he started in on? Blind as a bat, bloody tosser? It was, Dick said. He paused and then he said, He's a good man, you know. Don't don't think about him differently. Bruce, I mean, Alfred's a good man too, but I don't think you'd change your opinion of him because he called me a tosser. In fact, you might actually like him more. I do. Alfred's my idol. What the hell? Yeah, Bruce, a roll pain in my ass, but he does a good lot of good and he tries. Hard. Can't fault a guy for trying. Steph continued, I'm not going to pretend I know you inside and out. I don't. The fact that we're having this conversation is all actually super weird to me and kind of validating because you're like the Robin guy who gets to decide who does the Robin thing right. And this is kind of terrifying because I don't think I did the Robin thing right. And oh my gosh, I'll shut up. I'm so sorry. I have no filter. I'm going on a tangent. You really don't, Dick said. But the thing is, guilt isn't noble. Steph said, guilt isn't some punishment that'll clean, cleanse you, or whatever. You can feel guilty all day, every day, but the guilt won't fix you. It won't fix what you have. And at the end of the day, you'll be sitting in the same place you were the day before, and the day and before that, and the day before that. Guilt and atonement aren't the same thing. I think you remind me of Salvatore. So, uh, don't, uh, don't play the guilt card with Bruce, Okay. Because he'll come back and nothing's really fixed. It's just taped over. And Cass will cry and I hate it. it Hi, Damien. Oh, goody, you found Timony. Timony. Timmy. Dick bit into his lip. Bruce. They were talking about Bruce. Why would he think of Salvatore? Why would he think of Jason? Pass the phone to Tim. Dick said, roughly. Oh. What? Oh! What the? Oh, it's Dick? Hey, Dick. Dick. Tim said... I didn't know you were talking to Steph. I should talk to Steph more, apparently. She's a wise old lady. Oh, do, do you want to? Dick shook his head, only remembering afterwards that Tim couldn't see him and said, No, 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 not now. Just in general. How are you, Tim? Oh, good. Saving Gotham sin- single-handedly because everyone goofs off when Bruce isn't around. I mean that for real. I'm doing all the work. Please hurry up and bring Bruce back so I can gloat to him about it. Dick barked a laugh. Wish I was goofing off. Got my teeth rattled today. What? Bruce wouldn't... What? No, 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 no. Not Bruce. Jesus, Dick said. He felt sick to his stomach at the implication alone. It was Jason. Tim was silent. What are you thinking, kid? Dick said. Well, I was just thinking... You know um, how thinking goes, Tim said, nervously. Damien, I swear I'll give you the phone soon. Dick, I'm going to step outside for a moment. Dick leaned forward so his head was resting against the steering wheel. He waited until he heard the click of a door shutting and the thump, thump, thump of feet on the wood floors for a while before he said, Tim, I'm not an idiot, okay? Why does everyone think I think that about them? Dick sighed. Because you're trying to keep us out of the loop. I understand Damien. He's like five. He's a sensitive toddler asswipe. But how do you and Bruce and just up and decide to just leave with Jason, who doesn't even talk to any of us when I know there's something up? Dick pressed his forehead even harder against the steering wheel's leather. Tim, I know what's going through your head. And it's not that you weren't good enough, kiddo. It, it was just Jason does something for Bruce that none of us can do. 
How was that relative here? Tim whined. Jason died and he lived. I helped him do that. I don't understand why I can't help now. Dick's short fuse ran out. Something about Tim's tone, something about Dick's day, something about the damaginess from the dried blood he never bothered to wash off his face. I'm sick and fucking tired of trying to fix things Bruce fix up, okay? Call me tomorrow. I'll be a good little Robin then. I'll tell you everything you want to hear. Everything. But until then, I'm done, okay? I've had it. I swear to God, I fucking had it. How are you, Dick? Tim asked softly. I want to get out of this fucking car and lay down in the middle of the road and just wait, Dick snarled. Dick, Tim said, alarmed. Dick slammed his head against the down on the wheel. You know what's the worst? I keep on doing this. I keep getting short with people and screwing things up five ways to Sunday, you know? What happened? Tim asked. I got into a fight with Jason. Bruce was mad. I said something awful that I can't take back because it was kind of true. And he told me to cool down and I've been driving around the boondock since fuck knows when. What did you say? Dick huffed. Can't tell you. Tim groaned. Dick, this is what I mean. How are any of us supposed to help if you won't tell anyone what's wrong in the first place? Maybe I respect Bruce's right to privacy. Dick said icily. What happens to him, Dick said shortly, Tim said shortly, happens to all of us. He's the Jenga block. The what? Tim sniffed. The Jenga block, the one that if you pull it out, the whole thing topples over. It's him. We have to know things, Dick. Why can't anyone just call him or Jason, I guess, or anyone else for five fucking minutes? Dick, Tim said, you started this call. Dick swung the car door open and smashed his phone on the asphalt with a strangled scream. He picked up the shattered pieces and threw them through the air, still screaming, and they landed in the gravel on the other side of the road. He kicked the front tire, slammed the car door shut, and then punched the metal side of the car with his split-knuckled right hand and didn't bat an eye when something in his hand cracked, and the pain like spitting fire bolted up his arms. It seemed to shock him out of his violent stupor, just for an infinitesimal moment, but then he grabbed his hair with both hands and pulled until thin clots came out and they drifted to the asphalt. Blood dotted the roots of one clump, and Dick prodded at the empty spot. His fingers came away red. Real smart, you fucking imbecile, and now you have to drive with a broken hand, he thought viciously at himself, and that was enough to make him crumple to the ground beside the SUV and cup his face in his hands and sob. Whatever threshold he had, and sometimes his threshold seemed to be drawn arbitrarily, sometimes his threshold made no lateral sense, it was all just a fucking guessing game, he had reached it and rushed past it hours ago. Dick had screamed at Bruce's grave, he had wailed at Bruce's grave, he had craned his head and sobbed into the dirt before Bruce's grave, but he had never walked away from it. It felt like he lived it, he breathed it like he had grave dirt for blood, it felt like sometimes like he was losing his dad by inches and now he had lived it he was terrified and certain that this slow death was worse his heart pumped faster and dick found it harder to breathe because it was like inflating paper bags and expecting a steel cage to bend in time with them and he thought about how he left bruce there with jason someone bruce wouldn't fight back against he was an idiot he was a fool would he come back to a murder scene or would he come back to would he come back to bruce perfectly alive perfectly fine, doing something perfectly Bruce, like sitting on top of the refrigerator and reading. Somewhere logically, he knew it would be the latter. 
but there was still there was still that doubt that fear that anger that lived inside him that liked to say otherwise he was an idiot for putting bruce in danger he was a monster for refusing to believe jason had changed he had to stop feeling guilty but how on this green earth was that possible when there was so much he had to be guilty for he thought of the treehouse the one that bruce had kept meticulously clean all those years despite the fact that dick had outgrown it a long long time ago he thought of those nights, the warm summer nights they sat on the roof and played checkered by, checkers by the moonlight, how it always felt like some adventure because the trees were darker than the sky and there was a soft owl hoots and the fluttering of bats and the soft sway of the bows. The stars, the stars Dick had loved the most, like someone had spilled a bottle of glitter across the sky and swept most of, a, of it away, and only a few stubborn pieces remained. Bruce taught him to navigate by those stars. It was the mark of a man to think of his childhood and say to himself, When did it all get so complicated? Dick pulled himself off the ground, favoring his aching hand. He swept dirt and dust off the seat of his pants and climbed back into the car, took a moment to breathe against the steering wheel, and then turned it hand over hand to slide into the right lane. He slammed on the gas on the floorboard and flew. He didn't think on the drive to the cabin. His hand moved by itself kept the broken one cradled in his lap. He only saw one car on the entire way back, but stopped for several deer. He pulled into the driveway and turned the key in the ignition and stopped. His mind had gotten frighteningly blank, the kind of whiteout where he couldn't seem to figure out how to open the door and get out of the car and get into the cabin, the kind where he could only seem to sit there in incapable thought. Knuckles wrapped on the glass. Dick didn't move. The door opened anyway, and Bruce leaned against the car's frame, frowning. It's three in the morning, chum, he said. Dick didn't look up from his lap. Can you yell at me about it tomorrow? I'm not going to yell. I will say, however, you should have answered your phone. I broke it, Dick said. Bruce snaked an arm around his shoulders and tugged at him. You'll need rest. I broke my hand, Dick mumbled. Keep breaking things today. Bruce paused, lifting Dick's right hand by lightly gripping Dick's wrist. Come inside. I'll get you cleaned up. Then we'll go to the hospital. The urgent care won't be open. I'm expecting you to sleep the whole way. Dick leaned forward and leaned his forehead against Bruce's chest. I'm stupid. No, Bruce said. He rubbed Dick's head, then stopped. He took his hand away and studied the fingers. No doubt he was seeing the blood the way Dick had earlier. You've been tearing at your hair. You haven't done that since you were a kid. I did that as a kid? Dick asked. Oh, yes. Bruce said, you were lucky you had such thick hair, or you would have been bald. Dick closed his eyes. Can we wait until tomorrow, B? I'm beat. Bruce lifted Dick's head by his chin. No, he said. Get in the passenger seat. I'll bring out a blanket, a shirt for you to change into, and something to clean off your face. You can sleep on the way. Dick nodded against Bruce's chest. Bruce carefully leaned Dick back against the seat and walked off. He looked back at Dick from the door, and something in his shoulders slumped. Dick hated the way it looked. When Bruce got back, Dick hadn't moved. He dozed off with his chin against his chest, and Bruce woke him up with a gentle shake. I'm going to count to three, and then I'm going to pick you up, Bruce said. 
I can do it, Dick rasped. Give me a minute. I already give you five. We're doing it my way now. On three. One, two, three. Bruce lifted Dick with a grunt and carried him around the front of the car, did some finagling with to open an, finagling to open the door, and slid Dick into the seat. He stuffed a pillow under Dick's head and leaned over and dropped a folded shirt on the center console. Under his arm, he tucked a small white bottle and a travel mug. He handed the mug to Dick and unscrewed the cap, shaking out a couple pinkish pills into his palm. Ibuprofen, <laughs> he explained, dropping the pills into Dick's hand. Dick knocked them back with a swig of water from the mug. Thanks. Bruce pressed a kiss to his temple. I'll be back. Dick rolled against the pillow and squeezed his eyes shut and waited. The bruising over his face twinged, but not enough for him to turn his face away. It was too comfortable. He did lift his hand, head when the gravel crunched under footsteps, but it wasn't Bruce. Jason, Dick said, mildly surprised. You look like shit, Jason said, hands thrust into the pockets of his polar bear jammies. He looked awkward. I'm sorry. No, 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 you didn't uh, break my hand or anything like that, Dick said. I went mano a mano with the car. Lost pretty bad. Jason snorted. I did the list, he said, casually. Dick blinked. The what? The list. You asked me to do a list. Oh, Dick said. Sorry, man. That feels like it was seven years ago. Totally forgot. Jason scratched the back of his neck. It's okay. Well, um, feel better, I guess. Thanks, Dick said. Guilt and atonement aren't the same thing. And, listen, I, w I was really an asshole today. I've been an asshole all day. If there's anything else I can do make to make up for it, let me know. Jason beamed at him, genuinely beamed, and Dick was starting to understand why Bruce loved this kid so much. It was hard to read violence in an expression like that. Just, uh, uh, listening would be nice. And a strawberry milkshake? Dick grinned back. Got it. Strawberry milkshake it is. Jason smiled and then turned to leave and then turned around like he had something to say. But he thought better of it and continued up the steps and through the front door. He passed by Bruce who had a blanket thrown over his shoulder and was holding a pack of frozen peas, a towel, and a smaller washcloth. They chatted for a second, but Dick couldn't make out what they were saying. Then Bruce came around and wrapped the frozen bag of peas in the towel. They were lucky, he said. I found something for you in the ice with that. Bruce laid it delicately over the hand in Bruce's in Dick's lap, then tossed the blanket over Dick, tucking it around his shoulders. He took the corner of the washcloth and dabbed it at Dick's face, and sometimes he had to scrub away the dried, flaky blood, but on the whole it was a soft touch that Dick craned his head into. When he was done, Bruce pulled the lever that reclined the seat and laid it flat. Done, Bruce said dropping the washcloth on the floorboard. Let's go, chum. Bruce settled into the driver's seat and reversed it out of the driveway. Dick didn't remember much after that. He rolled over and knocked out for most of the drive. He did remember Bruce shaking him and awake and to ask him if he needed anything at a gas station, and he remembered the kiss on the temple Bruce had given him when he'd gotten back. But he didn't remember much after that. He didn't even recall sleeping. His brain was just blissfully blissfully empty. 
When they arrived at the hospital, Dick managed to walk in, but Bruce kept the hand braced at the small of his back. They checked in, and Bruce filled everything out while Dick kept his face pressed into Bruce's shoulder and kept his eyes shut. It was a quick affair. The ER was deserted at this hour, and the doctor, thankfully, didn't ask too many prying questions. He did have Bruce leave the room so he could do the, do you feel safe with him talk, which Dick responded to by snarring, that's the best man I've ever met, and I've met Superman. The doctor was quiet after that. Dick got a blue cast. The doctor lent Bruce a sharpie, and Bruce bent down and signed over the part of the cast that stretched over Dick's palm. You're a dork. Dick said. Bruce capped the sharpie. I had to be the first. You'll be the only one. We don't have sharpies. Bruce glanced out of the open door and slipped the sharpie into his pocket. He opened the wallet and dug out a hundred dollar bill and left it in one of the drawers in pristine white hospital cupboards. We do now, he said. They left around 6.30 in the morning. The sun was just peering over the horizon, and the air was gray and thick, and the sky was overcast, but the birds were chirping, and it was kind of beautiful in its own way, so Dick kept his eyes open on the ride home. That was how he saw what it was exactly that Bruce had signed. You signed it, he whispered. You signed it, uh, you signed it, Dad. Bruce was quiet for a moment. I did, he said. I can mark it out. I was not thinking. No, I like it, Dick said. I really do. Good, Bruce said warmly. Dick scraped his bottom teeth against his lip, biting down, shearing a bit of skin off. There's something I owe you an apology for. There's nothing you owe me an apology for. I said something pretty awful, Dick said, and I'm sorry. You've been stressed, Bruce said. Dick shook his head. That's not, oh, that's not an excuse, B. Bruce curved the wheel around a steep bend. But it makes it understandable. You're forgiven, Dick. You always will be. Can I just, um, Dick said. Oh, is that a turkey? Bruce nodded. Dick grinned. The turkey stalled as the SUV thundered by, standing up and shaking on stilt-like legs, watching them fearfully with one eye. Awesome. I don't think I've ever seen a wild turkey. Bruce glanced at him. You were saying? I just wanted to say that, um, Dick said. Silence fell after his words. There was so much he wanted to say. It hurt like hell to watch you do that to yourself was one. It still hurts that I wasn't enough for you to live after Jason died was another. I still think about you dying all the time was a third. You're the Jenga Black, Dick said, finally. Bruce's brows crumpled, confused. I'm the what? The Jenga block. The one that, if you pull it out, every other block comes tumbling down. That's you. And uh, there's a lot of people who are really worried, and I tried covering you, but I don't think I should, because for one thing, I was shit at it. And for another thing, they love you. How are they supposed to help if they don't know what's going on? Bruce's eyes flicked to Dick, briefly. When did you get advice? He said. He was f- he was fond of the tortoise-like way he was. Armored, slow, quiet. I am repeating verbatim what Tim yelled at me year- earlier before I broke my phone, Dick said. You should have heard it. Stealth ha- Steph helped me set me straight, too. I'm proud of them. 
Dick leaned his head back and let his eyes drift closed momentarily. Tell them... That's what you should tell them. Exactly that. I also may be told Cass to come up. She's worried. Bruce grunted. Keep Jason occupied for that. She's not going to treat him kindly. She's worse than you about that. Dick's face twisted in offense. No, no one's worse than me. I'm the number one bat guardian. That's what you'd like to believe, Bruce said, but he said it warmly. Dick felt his face stretch into a smile. I do have a question, though. Go for it. Why? Dick asked. The day you're doing an interesting thing, Bruce said, where you say your name phrases and expect me to parse them and end up with the exact meaning you intended. Why, um, why alcohol? Dick said, tapping his fingers against his thigh nervously. He ignored what Bruce had said, but otherwise he would have commented, but that's exactly what you do, old man. Here's the thing I don't get. Painkillers, crazy addictive, and you were on those for ages after Bane, and it was hard to get off. Don't make that face. Yes, we're talking about things. It's been enough years I can say words about it. So I'm saying the words. Look where not saying the words got us. You go on a carfentil, carfentil bust. You come out, somehow, an alcoholic. Bruce was scowling. Dick poked him in the shoulder. Too far? He asked. The thought, Bruce said thinly, was to suppress an addiction to a substance with another substance. One I believed I controlled. Something I could do alone. Oh, Dick said. It was a poor idea, Bruce said. Dick shrugged. I punched a car and broke my hand. We all have shitty ideas. Bruce snorted. I have punched dinosaurs. I think I've been. You know, I love telling people of the time you broke a polar bear's jaw. The one with Mr. Freeze? Tim doesn't believe me. Bruce huffed. Disappointing, he said with a small cheeky smile. Dick watched the trees whirl by, by the, for the rest of the ride. Bruce called Jason ahead, so when they pulled in, Jason was sitting up on the steps with a book in his hand, which he laid flat on the wooden stairs and stood the second he saw the SUV pull up. You didn't have to stay up, Bruce said, opening the door. I wanted to, Jason said. What color did you get? Blue, Dick said, raising his bad hand. Bruce stole a Sharpie from the hospital so you could sign it. Of all the things, of all the damn things in the world that can make a person look like they want to cry, this was it for Jason. His eyes got glassy and he swallowed a hard a couple times before saying, Sure. Bruce kept a hand against Dick's back and walked him inside. Dick felt a brief flash of irritation that was quickly outweighed by how steady, how good that touch felt. Which bedroom did you take? Bruce asked. He fell asleep in the car, Jason said. Oh, he fell asleep in the car, Jason said. It was somehow haughty, as if he was showing off. Look, Dad, I actually made it to a bed. It was annoying, but maybe in an endearing way, the way Damien was annoying. Bruce ruffled Dick's hair, but his face tightened, concerned. Jay, get the blanket and pillow out, the, out of the car and Dick's stuff. Bruce's, Bruce ordered. Jason jogged off. I thought no one called him Jay, Dick said. He'll always be Jay to me, Bruce said. 
His voice was oddly final. Bruce led Dick upstairs and pushed him at the first bedroom they came across. Dick gratefully fell against the bed, sighing in relief. Some tension in his shoulder blades released. I want you to sleep for as long as you are physically able, Bruce said. His expression was stiff and serious. I mean it, Dick. I'm not that tired, Dick mumbled. His eyes were closed as he said it. Got everything, Jason said breathlessly, rushing into the room. Dick opened his eyes to see Jason dropping Dick's duffel on the ground in front of the bed and passing off the pillow and blanket to Bruce. Bruce tucked the blanket over Dick and nudged Dick's head forward so he could tuck the pillow under, beneath it. There was a plastic click, and Dick opened his eyes. Jason was cleaning over Dick's, leaning over Dick's cast. Hold really still, he said. Holding, Dick said, amused. Um, shoot. Jason signed in the awkward cursive of a high schooler. He signed Jason Wayne, which Dick supposed he was free to because Jason Todd was a kid who had died years ago. The handwriting wriggled into Dick's brain. But it was true that Jason wouldn't have had time to improve his handwriting since he was a teenager. He died as a kid. He was still, fundamentally, that boy who died in Ethiopia, because the years after that must have been empty black space. For the first time, Dick felt an unexpected pang of pity for him. No wonder, when Jason smiled, he looked so much younger. No wonder he had a childish grasp over his own violent tendencies. He was a baby, forced into a man's body. He always thought Jason's death barbaric, awful in every way, but there was a difference between being faced with that awfulness personally and seeing it from a distance. There was a difference between seeing what death had taken away from the victim and seeing what that death had done to other people. I think he reminded me of Salvatore. How had Jason felt, felt listening to a story from Dick's idyllic childhood before his parents died? Had he been seething? feeling like Jason was rubbing that Dick was rubbing in a loss that Jason would feel forever had he been swamped with grief had he just been numb he'd been a kid good christ he died and he was only a kid he was only still just a kid he wrote his name on Dick's cast like he'd sign his name on english tests and good god in heaven Jason had deserved to take every single test he'd been meant to take Jason had deserved school and college and parties with his classmates, but most of all, he deserved to be Robin. And he deserved to be Robin for as long as he wanted to be without being viciously cut short. He deserved to live. That signature on Dick's cast was the mark of a boy. Nice to meet you, Jason Wayne, Dick said. Notes. It's a step in the right direction. Let me tell you, folks, let me warn you, a step in the right direction is not going to cure this chronic idiocy affecting our boys currently. Woo! I did this all in one take. You might be able to tell, but it was fun. Also, more Bruce cleaning his baby's faces. Ah! Must they always be covered in blood? Um. <laughs> um. Yeah. So... Here's chapter four. Winter Wolf Syndrome. Notes. Hi guys, back at it again. I've got uh, a bit of a sad one here. Be warned, it's sad. It's the same sad as the rest of the entire series, but it is sad. After making sure Dick was asleep and staying asleep, Bruce tapped Jason on the shoulder and asked, How tired are you? Jason shrugged. A little, I guess. 
I'm going to have to call and have groceries prepared for a pickup, and I need a list. I believe you would uh, be better at this than me. You like food. Jason shrugged. Again. Okay, I'll get on that. I, uh, yeah. Jason disappeared down the stairs, heading in the direction of the office downstairs. Bruce didn't follow him. He leaned against the wall of Dick's door and held a hand over his eyes, feeling briefly like a wolf had its teeth in his hide and was cutting the quick of him. It was the look of Dick's face when Bruce had seen him that night earlier when he had arrived after driving so many hours. That was the one gutting him, ripping him to the bone. Or rather, it was the lack of a look, the lack of life, the clear and clean sterile state slate of his face that had carved Bruce's heart open and split it like a bone, exposing the marrow in the middle. He should have stayed the night they had arrived and made sure Dick went to sleep. He should have forced Dick to stay in the cabin instead of sending him away. When he was born, he was born with holes in his hands, and that was where all his mistakes slipped free. Bruce didn't follow Jason. He kicked off the wall and headed down towards the deck, sliding open the door, embracing himself on his elbows to stare out across the thick forest, then curling wisps of clouds. He'd never taken Dick to this cabin as a boy, hadn't even owned this cabin when Dick was a boy. He'd taken Jason, though, and as far as he knew, Jason had enjoyed the trip, even if he hadn't enjoyed the part where Bruce showed him how to gut and clean freshly caught meat. He'd almost thrown up, in fact, but Bruce had pressed forward. Vital information, the gutting of deer, the scaling of fish... The other survival techniques he shared were greedily lapped up by a mind that was desperate for something to mull over. He ought to have taken Dick somewhere similar. He'd taken Dick to the rainforest and the desert and the tundra and taught him survival there. In his experience, forests like the ones that carpeted Appalachia were survivable with basic skills you could learn elsewhere, while receiving dual training from far more difficult settings. So he'd settled for the Amazon rainforest for a week-long trip when Dick was out of school. But it would have been nice to have a more relaxed vacation out here, where the wilderness was gentler. Dick would have enjoyed it. He would have enjoyed it significantly more than he was enjoying the vacation they were taking now. But now Dick was older and far more responsible than Bruce had wished he'd ever had to become, and straining under the pressure of a lifetime lived in the fast lane. Dick had used to be capable of slowing down, doing less, but over the years, Bruce had noticed that Dick only seemed to increase in speed exponentially. He always looked worse for the wear these days, and sometimes Bruce wondered if it was his own influence, if it was his own fault, if it was the holes in his hands where the mistakes slipped through. Most probably, in broad strokes, it was. More recently, it definitely was. Jason, at least, didn't hold the same weight on his shoulders, but where he lacked in stress, he made up for in damage, violent, cruel damage. When Jason was a boy, and Jason was still and would always be a boy in Bruce's heart. But when Jason was smaller, Bruce had held him while he sobbed about how awful he was for an angry, unprovoked outburst against a classmate. Bruce had held him and said, the unsavory begets the unsavory. Suffering does not make you noble. Suffering makes you suffer. And you can't make fire with ash. Jason had stared at him, eyes wet, and hugged Bruce as tight as he could. Bruce pulled his phone from his pocket and tapped the, th the call icon and dialed a number he knew both backwards and forwards. Hi, Al, he said when the phone picked up on the third ring. There was a de delicate, offended sniff. You took your darling time contacting me, Master Bruce.
things have been hectic. Do tell, Alfred said, though I fear I have some insight into the kind of hectic you are currently experiencing. We got in the night of the day before yesterday. I spent most of yesterday with Jason. Dick and Jay fought that morning, and Dick was angry, so I sent him to be angry somewhere else, and he didn't make it back till three in the morning. He had a broken hand, and I ran him to the hospital. Alfred made an impatient noise. In my entirely correct opinion, you had ample time to contact me yesterday when you were with Jason. Bruce winced. Sorry, Al. When you return, I will expect reparations. Reparations? Bruce asked. Breakfast in bed, Alfred said. It's long past due for me to have a morning off. Anything you want, Al, Bruce said, smiling. Waffles? Indeed. Bruce shifted his weight to his other foot. How are the kids? I will not mince words, Alfred said. They are all concerned, deeply concerned. Some are handling it better than others. Master Rich's excuse for you was unconvincing. He was pressed for time. Miss Cassandra has already left to come and see you. She'll be there in the evening. She did not bring Miss Stephanie, though I am told by Master Bruce, I mean Tim, that there was a great deal arguing over this. Good, Bruce said warmly. Good that she's coming. I didn't figure Steph would have wanted you. Alfred huffed. Do not underestimate her attachment to you. It will hurt her in the long run. Duly noted. How are you, Al? Alfred fell quiet. At long last, he said, I am concerned. I am always concerned, and I have been increasingly concerned for you. But currently, I feel, I fear I am angry with you. Bruce cringed. That was never a good thing to hear. Go on, he said when Alfred stopped talking. I do not disagree that you needed time. That is what I believe you needed most. But why would you take? Why would you fail to bring me? Why would you take two young men with a strong animosity between them? Why would you do this so poorly? This, this is what angers me. That's not what I thought you'd be angry about. Alfred made a startled noise. What on earth do you think I'd be angry about, my boy? Bruce's mouth twisted ruefully. Ah, made quite a dent in the alcohol stock, for one thing. That, Alfred said savagely, is not funny. Bruce didn't respond. This is not a joke to me, Alfred said, and Bruce understood he was shaking, though Bruce couldn't, quite under couldn't be quite sure how he understood it. It was the tone, perhaps. It was the voice Alfred used when he was quivering with anger. This is what I have to say, Master Bruce. Part of me fears that this may be the only temporary because you are not in a position where you are receiving proper support. A large part, in point of fact. I think you should send the boys back and wait for me. Bruce bit his tongue to keep from snapping. The last time I did this, I overdosed when you weren't looking and scared the hell out of my son. Do you think that was ample support? It was the headache in him. The one that now lived with him. It was the constant dryness of his tongue that wouldn't go no or go away no matter how much water he drank. It was the growl in his stomach for something he couldn't have. 
All his life he spent mastering himself, mastering his impulses, mastering his emotions. He exerted a kind of control over himself that made him quite capable of blunt, brute violence and delicate footwork simultaneously, had learned to split his brain into halves and thirds and quarters to focus on the array of tasks at any given moment. He could count bullets from five different gunmen all firing at once. He could count bullets. He couldn't dodge them. The ire bled out of Bruce in a second. I'm sorry, Al, he said. They needed this. I couldn't say no after the way they looked. You would be serving them better by recovering fully. I carry everything with me, Bruce thought. He marched the way wolves did through massive snowdrifts and left long, winding, ugly trails behind him. He didn't say it out loud because it would have hurt Alfred, and that was the last thing he wanted. It's been okay, Al. I'm fine. You say that, and it is never true, Alfred said softly. I suppose you want to speak with everyone. Please. The sound of the phone was muffled, but Bruce could hear footsteps and a... Master Timothy! A minute and a half later, a high, excited voice asked, Bruce? You're up early, Bruce remarked. I fell asleep on the couch. Alfred woke me. What's up with Dick? He won't answer his phone. He broke it. Bruce said, rough night. Broke his hand, too. No way. Poor guy. He asleep? Out like a light, Bruce said. Or rather, Bruce hoped he was. But Dick was usually such a light sleeper. Had always been such a light sleeper. How are you? Tim asked. Fine, Bruce grunted. Oh, here we go again with the fines and the leave-me-alones, Tim whined. You're just as bad as Dick. Actually, you're worse. You're a walnut. Bruce shifted again. Point taken. How are you, Tim? Worried, Tim said. Also, Steph and Damien and Cass colored my hair with chalk last night, so I'm colorful too. Air chalk? Bruce asked. You know the little chalks that you color your hair with, the cute ones for babies? Steph picks them up. How is Damien? Bruce asked. (laughs) Worried, Tim answered. We're all that thing, actually. I think I said that and you deliberately ignored it. I tried to come with Cass when she left this morning, but she tried to bite me, so she's kind of angry, too. Bruce frowned. I'll talk to her. Good, good. And, um, Tim stopped and sucked in a breath. Whatever's up. I won't pretend to know what it is. I think Steph does because she's got that spoiler look on her face all the time, but whatever's up. Tim stopped again. Kick its ass, Bruce. Bruce smiled. Then why not? I'll let Dick know that you said that, and whatever his busted and whenever his busted hands healed, you guys can go one and one, and he can act, act, absolutely slaughter you. And then I'll brag. Also, speaking of bragging, I am so keeping things together while you are gone, you don't even know. Are you now? I am, Tim said, and there was a st- distinct note of pride in his voice that told Tim, Bruce that didn't told Bruce that Tim didn't feel like he was purely exaggerating, even if his tone was joking. Liar! A voice, Stephanie shouted. Let me talk to him. I have something to say. The sounds of a struggle carried through the phone speaker, then thudding feet and a panting, and then, I have something to say to you. I have a bone to pick. Do you? Don't sound like that. This is a real bone to pick. I'm about to tell you how it is, so buckle up, buttercup. Bruce bit down on the inside of his cheek, worked to quell the building annoyance in his chest. Go on, he said. Steph sighed. I'm in the garden, 
she said. I am curious to discover how this will be relevant. Shut up, she said. Shut up. Without heat. I'm setting these tees up and I'm knocking them down. I am a terrible golfer, Bruce said, but I have reason to believe that is not quite how it works. Really? You're a bad golfer? Steph asked. Really? Bruce said, Alfred tried to teach me. Told me a lot of wrath about it being a gentleman's game, and on the first hole I missed so many times that I threw my club in the pond. Steph laughed long, loud. How old were you? Fifteen. Steph's laugh turned into a snort. Are you kidding? If I had done that and my dad had been... Not to say that, uh, Alfred's, uh... Okay. Shutting up. Shutting up. We for set. Shutting up. I wanted to say, I'm in the garden. And you know how Damien loves gardening. He does. It reminds me of my mother. He's been out here a lot since you like, guys left, just pacing. And you know that Tim's bossy. No one can get him to shut up. And Cass, I told Dick she almost punched me the other day. I guess what I'm saying is, you can't just do this to people, okay? It's not fair to them. Stephanie, Bruce said, lowly. No, no, don't interrupt me. I'm saying something I need you to hear, because I think Dick and Alfred are just going to cover for you. Steph said hotly, and this scares the hell out of me, because if you're going to be angry at me, I have to stay gone, and I don't want to do that. I like hanging around here, but someone's going to have to tell you. You don't get to lie to people and then take off with a shitty nonsense explanation after months of these people being wor worried about you. You brought these people into your life and you don't get to shut them out because you want to. That's just not fair. After months of people being worried about you, Bruce straightened. What do you know? Steph lapsed, lapsed into silence. About what? She said finally, tentatively. You know something. Tim mentioned it. You confirmed it. What do you know? I heard Alfred chewing dick out. Okay, she said miserably. Happy? Not in the least. I'm sorry for the invasion of privacy, she snapped. Are you going to work on, you know, being honest with people, or are you just going to be terrible and cryptic? I lean towards terrible and cryptic, Bruce said. That's not an option, Stepha snapped. Since you so kindly saw fit to give me advice, Bruce said, only somewhat aware was his voice was slipping into something high and cold, allow me to return the favor. Leave it alone, Stephanie. I'm not going to, she shouted. You've got no idea what Cass has been like these past couple months. She's been beyond worried. She's been almost hysterical and... I don't think this is just about Cass, Bruce said evenly. Steph spluttered. Well... Aren't I sorry I made the mistake of giving a shit, she said dangerously, and the line went dead. Angry and dangerous, as all the people in his life were. Bruce had half a mind to crush the phone in his hand and fling it into the dense undergrowth beneath the balcony. The thought that, the thought that stopped him was the potential of someone recovering sensitive data from the wreckage, because with LexCorp's recent advancements in this field of data recovery... There was no telling what level a destroyed a device would have to be in order to render it completely useless. It was, oddly, these thoughts he found comforting. These were cool eventualities. These were motives he could define and anticipate, rather than the murky hot-headedness of whatever it was driving Steph now. The glass door slid open behind him. I made a list, 
Jason said. This uh, should last us a couple days. Wow, you look angry. Bruce had turned to look at him, and now he turned back. Do I? He gritted out. Take the car and go. I don't have a license, Jason said. Did you bring a fake? Bruce asked tersely. I mean, yeah, but then you have a license. Jason retreated. He slid the glass door closed gently, and somehow that small gesture, intended to be kind, rankled. It all rankled. It would have been easy, incredibly easy, to, d to disappear into the forest behind him. He could be gone and stay gone and stay alone, and he wouldn't have to answer questions that gouged him in the heart, and there would be no explanations for that he would have to make. There would be no words he would have to say to the trees and the mountains and the wolves. It was skinning him alive to be here, to stand here. He stood in this house with people who saw through the skin and flesh and straight to the bone, and now it was expected for there to be more of them. Maybe he could say it to a stranger. Maybe he could step into a quiet AA meeting in a small church in Nowheresville, small town America, in a dusty hat with the bill pulled low and wraparound sunglasses and some shirt with Bass Pro Shops splashed across the front. Maybe then he could say, Hi. My name is whatever false identification I slipped into the wallet I bought at the flea market downtown ten minutes ago, and I'm an alcoholic. Someone, someone would say, boy, you sure do look like Bruce Wayne. And Bruce would blithely lie and say, sure do wish I had his money. Maybe then he could form the words, maybe he could then form the words, my son died a couple years ago, and this is the only thing I see when I close my eyes. I think about it every day. I think about it so much that the very first thing that give, gave me ability to not remember holding my son's corpse in horrific, perfect detail, the first time since my son died that I remembered being blackout drunk meant that you could forget anything sh for a short while. I couldn't put it down. I recognize that I'm profoundly stupid in every conceivable way, but I couldn't put it down. Maybe he could say it in Nowheresville, small town in America, in a dusty hat with a bill pulled low and wraparound sunglasses and some shirt with Bass Pro Shops splashed across the front. But he couldn't say it as Bruce Wayne, as Batman, to his children and his partners. The lie made him a liability on the field and in their lives. lives. But so help him God, he could not say the words. It was scathing enough that Dick knew it was enough of a breach of privacy there among his eldest son and maybe one of his oldest friends. But for Jason, for Alfred, for all intents and purposes his father, who would be so rightfully disappointed, and Steph's implicit admission of knowledge and her demand that he make the pu knowledge public among his family, if the love he had for his family wasn't beyond a shadow of a doubt the single best feeling he had ever experienced, it might have been easier. If he could stand their shame, maybe he could say it. Bruce pocketed his phone. He needed a drink of water, because the thirst was leaping at the back of his throat. He thought of the water he had bargained off to clean Jason's body, and the thirst at the back of his throat leapt higher, more desperately. If they were, if there were only things he could rip out of his skull. If he had claws, he would do it himself. If there were only things he could forget after enough concussions. If only he could control this as ruthlessly as he controlled the rest of himself. If only... If only Jason had lived, and Bruce had watched him grow. And if only Jason had gone off to school. If only Jason had graduated from being Robin the same way Dick did. Bruce crossed the cabin to the kitchen and downed a glass of water. And then another. And then a third. It lacked the acrid 
aftertaste of vodka and he sorely missed the bitter bite of it, like long icy canines digging into his throat. He drank a fourth glass and regretted sending Jason off to the store. It would have been something to do, but a thing that to do that came with a knife in the back in the shape of the alcohol aisle in the refrigerated section and the look on Jason's face when they passed it. Jason was so very expressive. Always had been. Likely always would be. Bruce went back outside and did the only thing he could he thought of that could be more productive than waiting outside of Dick's door. Bruce had been watchful while Dick was asleep before, but Dick had called those instances fucking creepy, you weird old man. So Bruce tried to refrain. So Bruce folded his legs beneath him and focused on clearing his mind and tried, desperately, not to get dragged back, back to the glass embedded in Jason's skin. The blood, the sweeping of cloth carefully over Jason's young face, still framed by puppy fat. He failed. He usually did. He spent five years throwing every ounce of discipline in his heart and soul at that one shattering moment, and he relived it every day anyway, day after day, a story carved into him by fangs. He spent several hours lingering on the details of Jason's corpse, the well-trod ones embedded into his brain after half a decade of being beaten into the gray matter, the angle of cuts, the shine of the glass protruding outwards, the messy fall of hair and the smell of ash and water and the heat, the sweat rolling down his back, the, the, the things he could not put words to, even inside the walls of his own skull, the things he could only see and would see forever. When he opened his eyes, the day had bled out of the sky, and he had gotten nowhere. Bruce sat there for an extra several minutes, just mastering his self-directed rage. He breathed in the sweet night air, and he listened closely to the cricket's song humming through the trees, watched the woods sparkling with fire fireflies, even turned his head up to the bright night sky that blinked back at him so dispassionately. It used to comfort him, when he was a boy, that the world's suffering was limited to the world. Now he had traveled the galaxy, had long, logged countless hours studying planets and intergalactic histories, and had come back to the destitute conclusion that the world's suffering was replicated on a hundred planets. Pain was universal. It was the goal of the Justice League to make hope equally universal. Bruce valued that work, and now he dearly missed it. It was good, distracting work. It was something to occupy his mind when he felt the ghost of sensation of Jason's lukewarm skin under his hands. Bruce missed the weight of the cape on his shoulders, the, wa the rush of wind around him as he fell a story, two stories, three. He missed the cackle of Robin beside him. He missed the hauling of innocent victims out of fires, and he missed the bringing justice to the people who lit them. Put your oxygen mask on, Dick would say, and then go. I can't stop you then. Bruce sighed and pulled himself off the deck. It was an odd feeling to have done nothing all day but traipse in the ash-filled expanses of his memory and steal a fill as if his marrow was mixed with lead. He had accomplished nothing, and yet he wanted to crawl into bed and stay there. He shoved open a door and then paused. Cassandra, he said in more of a rasp than a word. Cass was still in her costume. There was a hoodie, one of his own actually, thrown on top to cover the bat, but her cape trailed below it and it dusted the floor with its ragged edges, and the cowl was tucked into the hood laid flat on her back. She must have gotten into the car to leave as soon as she had returned from patrol. She certainly looked it, with dark shadows on 
beneath her eyes, bloodshot sclera. Gus, Bruce repeated, and then she barreled into his arms, squeezing him tightly around the middle. But, she mumbled quietly, and Bruce buried a hand into her hair and kissed her crown. You should have gone to sleep, he said, but at the moment, bad parenting, though it undoubtedly was, he didn't much care that she had driven through the night. She was in his arms, solid and safe and warm, and for that moment, that was all he could care about. She was in his arms, and her body wasn't cooling down slowly, wasn't stiffening, he wasn't screaming himself bloody. She, uh, she just got here, Jason said. Bruce glanced up, but he didn't have to lift his cheek from Cass's hair. Jason looked pale. It wasn't hard to deduce why. Bruce should have been there to meditate. He had failed, but at least in the scheme of his failures, it was a smaller one. Mediate, excuse me. Cass pulled out of Bruce's arms, frowned, and punched him on the shoulder. Bruce absently rubbed this spot of impact and dropped his eyes. I'm sorry. Cass reached out for his hand, squeezed it, and then laid it over her heart, right where Bruce knew the bat was emblazoned on her chest. Gotham is okay, she said. She used her other hand to gesture, gesture to herself. I'm worried, she said. She sent a sideways look at Jason. I don't trust him. Jason seemed to pick up on that much of the conversation because his shoulders dropped like the line holding them up had been cut. I trust Jason, Bruce said firmly. Cass touched the place on Bruce's stomach where Jason's knife had driven home. My word is final, Bruce said, letting his voice shift into something rough, rock-like. Jason is trustworthy. Cass glanced at Jason. Her eyes were narrowed, and she seemed tense when she looked at him, but she stuck out her hand and said snappishly, Sorry. Jason took her hand delicately. For what it's worth, for what it... I, I, didn't, I didn't want to hurt our... your dad. I'm sorry for doing it in the past. Something in Jason's slouched, small posture convinced Cass because she eased. You hurt him, she said, and I hurt you. Remember. Your dad. Jason had corrected himself. It cut deeper than, than the knife ever had. It cut deep enough that it felt like the blade nicked his spine. Jekyll and Dick, for a minute, please, Bruce said tightly. Jason ducked his head. Yeah, uh, yeah. No punching, Bruce told him, half-jokingly. Jason nodded again, clearly in no mood for to joke. Yeah, no punching. Jason walked quickly and stiffly to the staircase and took two stairs at a time. After a long moment, Bruce dropped his eyes back down to Cass, who was glaring at him with eyes like hot coals. She punched him in the shoulder again. No leaving, she hissed. You brought these people into your life and you don't get to shut them out because you want to. I'm sorry, Bruce apologized. He tapped his temple and then said, didn't think. Cass huffed and crossed her arms. You didn't, said rather forcefully. I was drunk at the time, Bruce said. He left out the part where he was nearly drunk enough to make decisions with little to no forethought. That had been the look on Dick's face, unashamed, bright hope that had crushed any resistance he had. No excuse, Cass said. Bruce bowed his head. Yes, he said. I won't do it again. Not to me. Not to anyone else, Cass insisted. She poked him in the chest. 
Then she drew a bat with her finger, tracing the ghost of its presence. Bad man is better than that. Bruce took her hand in his. He is, he said softly. Or he will be. Cass pressed her face into Bruce's chest. She tapped him with two fingers. You. Have been wrong, she finished. Moved wrong. Everything wrong. Bruce wrapped his arms around her. Say it, he thought viciously. Instead, he held her silently. Several minutes later, he managed to say, I have bad memories. Cass looked at him curiously. That was a bad summation of what he could say, the whole ugly truth of it. He had bad memories. Why he was singular, singularly incapable of managing them. Why was he... Why he was singularly incapable of sitting down and taking it. Five years and not a day had gone by. He didn't think of his son's corpse in his arms. Five years and it was still excruciatingly unbearable. His son was alive. His son was upstairs. And he was holding, still holding the bloody corpse. And everything he tried, he could not close that fracture in his brain. The scar was burned there. It would never heal. He imagined himself asking, Can I borrow your car? He wanted to leave. How long would he have before Jason or Dick realized he was gone? How long would he have to f drive to find a hole in the wall? How much could he drink before they found him? He imagined the shame on their faces, saying, We'll take it from here, to the bar bartender, dragging him out of the building. The shame on Cass's face when he was dragged back like an unruly mutt. Would all of that outweigh the bliss of a few hours he couldn't remember? He thought of cleaning Jason's hair, slowly, methodically. Seeing his son's corpse stiffened into the position Bruce had cradled him in. Maybe mine, dry your eyes. It would have to be worth it. They could forego him. Jason could deny him. They could leave him to run wild with the feral dogs, but it would have been worth it. You should sleep here for the night, Bruce said in Cass's hair. Cass nodded against him. Footsteps thundered down the stairs. Cass! Dick shouted. He ran into them, hugging Cass from behind and managing to wrap part of Bruce up, too. Man, you drive fast. Go fast, Cass said. Dick chuckled. Go fast, sure, he said. Gee, I'm starved. Did you guys ever make it to the grocery store? Jason did, Bruce said, jerking his head to Jason. Jason was hanging at the edge of the room, looking like he'd seen a ghost. Yeah, he stammered. What we got to eat? Dick said, dropping his arms and crossing to the fridge. He flung it open. What's all in here? I can make spaghetti, Jason said. Dick pointed at him. If it's as good as your ravioli, sure. Cass, you've got to stay. Dick looked pleading. His jubilance masked a boy who was floundering. Bruce felt a stab of guilt that turned into a slow bloom of it, spreading through his chest and immobilizing him briefly. For a day, she said. Then, Gotham. Bruce craned his head to kiss her forehead. Thank you for protecting my city. Cass smiled, open-mouthed, teeth glinting. She smiled like a wolf, every time. We could have a movie night, Dick asked. Um, do we get movies here? There's an Xbox hooked up to the TV, Jason said. Bruce nodded. It's Tim's. He left it when he and Alfred came up for a week. Dick grinned. Of course he did. Remember that? He had no Xbox till the other one shipped. He was downright miserable. 
I'll, um, I'll start the spaghetti, Jason mumbled, and he slipped from the corner of the living room to the connected kitchen, bumping into Dick when he made a beeline for the fridge. Dick took it in a stride. So, movies? It was a good night. They ended up watching an old Godzilla movie on stars. Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. It was horrifically cheesy, but Dick enjoyed the cheesiness and Cass enjoyed the rubber monster battle suits. And even Jason perked up and chuckled a bit towards the end. It was subdued enough enjoyment that Bruce made a note to speak with him tomorrow. Dick sat next to Cass, but Cass curled up on Bruce's side, and Jason leaned against Bruce's other shoulder, and it was a solid, grounding weight. When it ended, and he sent Cass and Jason to bed, and Dick helped him wash plates, their shoulders bumped together, and Bruce listened to Dick's whistling. You used to do that as a boy, Bruce said quietly. Dick whistled loudly, the corners of his eyes turning up into a smile louder. It was a good night, a better night, a night Bruce would remember. Warm, like fireflies sparkling outside. Love, in Bruce's experience, was a bit like thunder, an all-consuming, loud, cracking experience, and nights like these were storms of thunder. It felt a bit, usually, like his heart was going to give beneath the strain of it, but it would be a beautiful give. It was his greatest honor to love these kids, to parent them, to call them his, even if only in the privacy of his mind, an honor in a life of honors. But it would still ha- would have been worth it. It still would have been worth it to walk into that bar, to tell the bartender, what do you give to people who need to be so drunk they forget they're alive, for the taste of it. He would never trade memories. He would never wish the one he had away. But it would have been worth it to stop thinking for just a little while. Notes from the author. I love sticking Cass into this fix so much. I didn't have her appear in all of Aquarium, which, to be honest, is one of my biggest regrets about that fic, because Cass is fun and good. Notes for me. Um, Sorry about the shitty accents in this chapter um there was a lot of voices to balance and frankly i still need practice i am still learning at this um cass oh my gosh when i started doing batman fix like a long time ago just for my own enjoyment i was even worse with accents so i gave her a sing-song accent like Ah, like, I am talking like this, ah, softly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I couldn't think of anything else for her. And, like, I couldn't, like, I used up all the other accents on other people. And unfortunately, the fix that I was reading at the time were not very inclusive of the girls. So the girls kind of got stuck with my worst accents because I used them less often. Um... If I ever do, like, a completely, like, Batgirl, whichever Batgirl-centric fic, I might switch the voice cast around a little bit just so I can not struggle every single time. But, yeah, Cass is supposed to be, like, a kind of soft, sing-songy kind of voice because that's what I had at the time. Um, Steph is my horrible... Um, rendition of an Australian accent that mostly is made up of, you know what I'm, 
I'm not going to tell you. Um, and Alfred, I think I did a pretty good job with Alfred. Like, he definitely sounded like an angry British proper person. Um, no Damien this time. Tim? Um, Tim is supposed to be, like, a really high-pitched kind of guy. Which, again, when I think back on it, probably wasn't the best choice. But I've been doing the same cast for my own self, like, a very long time now. And I just think it kind of works sometimes. Um, and I think it matches the kind of, like, manic energy he's displaying in this fic. I'm not... I don't think manic is the right word. Um, but he's definitely, like, high energy energy um sorry for any like pronunciation issues um i'll definitely be more prepared for the next chapter but um i hope you enjoyed um sorry for making you listen to a long recorder's note um and i hope y'all have a good night bye